from the Duck South Studios in Morgan City, Mississippi. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. I want to punch you in the face so bad right now. This is the On The X podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. Get the governor harumph. What we've got here is failure to communicate. This podcast is being brought to you by Joseph Presley at Four Corner Properties. Joseph Presley is the 2016 Recreational Real Estate Agent of the Year for Mississippi. If you are in the market for a piece of deer, turkey, or duck hunting property in Arkansas, Louisiana, or Mississippi, give Joseph a call. Joseph can be reached at 601-540-7240 or check out their website at www.4cplandandhomes.com. I said what I said and I'll stand by it to the death. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And now, here are your hosts, J. Paul Jackson. They spent... Listen to this, $1 million on ads against me in Iowa. Now here's the good news. They use the best pictures. I look so good in those pictures. I'm trying to find where they got them. Rocky LaFleur. Yo, Adrian! Jake LaTundras. Where are you going? Going west. Gotta go west. And Josh Webb. You don't say much, do you? Welcome to the On The X Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I'm J. Paul Jackson. Today, joined by my co-host, Rocky. I am a huge fan of Saved by the Bell, LaFleur, and our resident writing genius, Josh Webb. What's up, guys? Let's see. Hey, I got a question. <laughs> Kelly or Jesse? <laughs> I almost no, left him speechless. J. Paul. J. Paul was the least of turtle. You had it for Lisa Turtle, didn't you? What? <laughs> Which one? Jesse, Kelly, or Lisa? My two turtles were Cuff and Link, just like Rocky's. I'm asking you, which one? Jesse, Kelly, or Lisa? I bet you were a Lisa man. What you said? Josh, what do you think? Who do you think Jay Paul was for? Yeah, Jesse. He had it for. I think if you think of these Jesse, I I think Lisa. Lisa Turtle. <laughs> you don't I have, have you no have idea clue. even who Jesse, Kelly, and Lisa are. Uh, I am way too old. I'm way too old, apparently. You are you are such a liar, man. That was nineteen eighty nine. That eighty nine you would have been how old? In eighty nine I was twenty five years old. No, 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 no. Jay Paul, 89, how old would you have been? I was 25 years old in 89. There's no way. There's no way a 25-year-old did not see a Saved by the Bell episode in 1989 or 90. I promise you, I didn't. I You've was still never single. seen. I was still single as a 25-year-old. That, so... that makes it even worse that you were single <laughs> and not watching it. Hmm. Holy smokes, man. Every guy's dream was Kelly Kapowski. <laughs> no, and I never dated Polish girls either. <laughs> I'm going to get you to admit before the end of this episode that you watched the Saved by the Bell episode. I promise you, Rocky. I, I promise you. That's why I was so lost. I've never seen a Saved by the Bell episode, ever. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I hear you. I really yeah. and truly have it. Okay. Uh, like I believe that. There's no, you're not red-blooded American that's never seen the Saved by the Bell episode. Josh, do you know anybody that's never seen Saved by the Bell that's 50 or below? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I really don't. And I was, well, I mean, I was really young when it was on, but heck, it's 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 still on TV. It's always on TV. But yeah, yeah, I don't. No, I don't. I, I mean, I, I can't think of anybody that hasn't seen it. I really can't. I'm not saying it just to mess with Jay Paul. I, I really, I, I don't know anybody that hasn't seen or isn't familiar with it. I haven't. I promise you I haven't. So now I feel like an idiot. Now I feel like, you know, I'm some kind of loser because I don't know who Jesse, Kelly, and Lisa are and never saw a Saved by the Bell. But I can bet you this. If it's available on Netflix, I am going to check it out because I've got to know exactly what it was that I was missing. Obviously, it was something really, really good. Oh, man, that was a Kelly fan. I tried to look exactly like Zach. I told my wife about this the other day. My, my, <laughs> <laughs> this is no joke, man. In eighth grade. All right, so I go to, to Kruger Chula Academy, which is right beside Josh's house, and... Uh, by any means, if 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 somebody from Kruger Chula Academy is listening to this podcast, don't take it in the wrong way. But we were just a bunch of good old country boys that went to Kruger. We were. We had guns in our back glasses. We had bows on our seats. You know, it, it was it was about sports. You know, we got in trouble a lot. But so in eighth grade, during the summer of my eighth grade year, before my eighth grade year, I decided that I'm going to be becomes Zach Morris. And man, I, I look, I comb the hair over to the side, I get the big cow lick, you know, I get the California looking clothes and I show up at Kruger Chula Academy. <laughs> and let me tell you, I didn't fit in at all. <laughs> <laughs> worst year worst year of my life. I'll just say that. <laughs> You know, in 1989 on TV, I was watching Seinfeld, and I was Seinfeld watching... wasn't even on yet. Brother Seinfeld debuted in 1989. What are you talking about? That's how long ago? Yes. No, sir. Seinfeld didn't debut until 1991. I think you're wrong. I'm pretty sure that it ran uh, from. I'll tell you this, what was the number one show? What was the number one show in nineteen eighty nine? If anybody can guess it in three guesses, I will hand deliver a hundred dollars that I don't have. Don't look it up on your phone. Just guess. I'm not, I, I would out. say it was either I would say it was either probably the Simpsons. Um the, I would guess the Simpsons, I'm thinking back. Um the Cosby show. I don't know. I don't can't remember what else was on Roseanne, maybe. That's what nope. I was going to say. Uh, that's the what I was years. The Wonder the Years. Wonder Years. Yeah. Yep. Wonder I wonder. I, I I I was going Roseanne, Cheers, and I wasn't real sure what my third one was going to be. 
Can any? I'll give you another trivia question. Can anybody tell me the two main characters in the Wonder Years? Actually, there hmm. were three, but just give me the boy and the girl that were the main characters in the Wonder Years. Please don't tell me you never saw the Wonder Years. Um, Jake Paul. I know Kevin. Ar- uh, Kevin Arnold was the the boy. I'm trying to think of who played no, him. No, you're, you're such you're such googling in it right now. I don't even. <laughs> I am not googling it. If I were googling, I'd have known it was the Wonder Years because I'd have looked it up. If you just would have said Arnold, Kevin, that would have been fine. Kevin Arnold was. I, I remember the Wonder Years now. The Wonder Years was. Uh, all right, let's see if Josh can guess the girl. Come on, J- Josh, guess the girl. Uh, I can't. See, I'm familiar with Wonder Years, but I don't remember. I don't remember anything about it. I mean, I, I remember it. I'm familiar with it, but I, I don't remember. I didn't even remember that name until J. Paul said it. When but, I, mean, it I, I know the guy. It, it, had to be, it had to be something that lasted. I mean, you know, like, like, uh, crap, I about said friends, but like, um, Holy smoke! What were we talking about? Say by the bell, you know that. Like I said, it's still it was on TV all of my childhood, and, and I mean it's still on TV today. But I don't remember much about the Wonder Years. I, I know his best friend was Paul, but I can't no, remember the girl's, name at all. What was the girl's name. You need to stop. What was the girl's Which, name? At least, at least Josh won't cheat. He just says I don't know. <laughs> you are so well, sorry. You I was so born sorry. in '89, I mean, you know what? so uh, my tr- the trivia from the year that I was born does not—I uh, mean, it's not really that good. <laughs> my memory <laughs> is not that good as an infant, but um, I, I'm not, oh, I really, I really don't know. Wonder years. Hey, hey, I, 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 let me t- let me ask you this. I was asking a few people this the other day. I want both of y'all's opinion. All right, Josh, you're born in '89. But looking back on the shows that ran through the 90s and early 2000s, that'll kind of give you uh, a little leeway in this. I want to ask you something. If you look back on the 90s and early 2000s, what was the most underrated show on TV? Underrated or the, the most underrated? And I don't like remember talking to you about this, this the other day, Josh. I may have talked your... to you about it. Uh-uh. Is this like your personal opinion? Yeah, I think it is. I, it's my personal opinion, but other people have agreed with me when I when I've said this to them. I don't know. I mean, you didn't. I mean, there wasn't much to watch if it wasn't Friends or Seinfeld. Uh, those were always rated pretty high. But what? No, was, I mean, what I don't was, know. That's what I'm saying. I don't. I, I mean, I can't. Let me all right. Well, let me let me change it around. Let me see if y'all agree with me on this. One of the most underrated sitcoms that I can sit down and watch now, taking out Cheers, taking out Seinfeld, uh, taking out all of the most popular ones, but something that I never watched in the '90s, early 2000s that I can sit down and watch now and watch reruns of Home Improvement. Oh yeah, I watched that a bunch. We watched that a bunch though. See, I, I never yeah, watched it I growing forgot, up. I forgot about it. Yeah, I, I, I forgot about that. No, my parents didn't. They didn't miss an episode of any of those three. Um, that that wasn't that just wasn't on my mind, which is funny because Katie and I were literally talking about that a day or two ago, talking about Tim Allen's voice was on something, and and we get to talk about home improvement. But um, yeah, no, we watched that. 
that, that show is hilarious. It was, yeah, man. Yeah. I didn't realize how funny it was. Yeah, Paul, did funny. you watch it? Yes, I did. I liked Home Improvement. Man, that you would know, have to be the most underrated, non-talked-about sitcom ever in the 90s and early 2000s. I didn't ever hear anything about it. What made, what's his name? A big star that, I mean, heck, he got to play Santa Claus eventually. Hey, you know you get the big time when you get cast as Santa Claus. Yeah, and he's, <laughs> he's got a new show Tim Allen, right? Now. Yeah, Tim yeah. Allen. But, no, yeah, that show is hilarious. I would, I w- see, I wouldn't think of it as being that underrated. Rocky. Oh, my gosh. How do I get on these subjects? You know, there's some poor devil out there that downloaded because this is what today, this is he's going, I want to hear about ducks. What are those idiots talking about? Who the Let hell ask- are Lisa? What were the other two gals named from Saved by the Bell? Shelly and Jesse. And- yeah, Lisa. Who are Lisa? They're like me. Who are Lisa, Kelly, and Jesse? I-, I, thought- I thought it was like trivia, you know, for, for I mean, you the, would never believe it, article I, that we're about to talk about on the cover of it. I'm gonna tell you something. A girl in braces. I thought, heck, you were. It was her name. Our most popular episodes, in the, and and look, I, I'm delving into a little of our secrets behind the scenes and what I look at as a computer guy. But some of our most popular episodes are episodes when we get in here and we talk about everything, everyday things that people talk about at Duck Camp. I guarantee you, when husbands get away from their wives, they're talking about Kelly and Jesse. Which one? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're probably right. I, I can remember hey, when I, I thought. I tell you what, Jennifer... I, I'll lead us in. I'll lead us into the hunting world, Jay Paul. I've got a question for you. Big okay. question for you because it's something we talked about with uh, Jake yesterday, and we've talked about it before. And, and Josh and I have stated our opinions on this, and people that listen already know. Jay Paul, late 80s, early 90s, what hunting shows or video series did you follow? What was something that brought you into the TV hunting world and just enthused you? Uh, you know, man, back then I was much more into whitetails than ducks because, you know, as you recall, I mean, 1989-1990 we were down to a three duck limit and only 30 days of duck season. So, uh I I loved the uh deer hunting videos. You know, VHS was in its heyday at that time. Um Roger Ragland's deer hunting videos. I can't think of the guy's name. He shot Muzzy Broadheads. Dan Fitzgerald from up in Michigan. Um Yeah. Uh and in duck hunting, uh, of course, the uh, duck commander guys, they weren't the duck dynasty people then. They were the duck commander then, you know. And that's the, and Bill Dance videos. I loved Bill Dance uh, outdoors, his fishing show. And when he got to convert some of those, particularly the bloopers, if you've never seen a blooper reel from Bill Dance outdoors, you need to check it out. That guy was legitimately funny, and some of the crap that happened on camera that that made it to their blooper reels was absolutely hilarious. What about you, Rocky? Now, I want to ask you this, because you've been a TV personality. You've you've been in the spotlight and been a star, are a star, (laughs) in in the eyes of a lot of duck hunters, okay? 
But I look when you when you are in front of the camera, all of us get an inspiration from somewhere. No matter what, no matter what we do, if we're if we're nailing a, a a nail into a board, and our dad was a carpenter, that's where our inspiration comfort came from. But from you looking back and working your way into that world, who who inspired you? Who did you think? Um, you know, oh, you know, Bill Dance, Bill Dance, and Hank Parker. Okay, I mean you have your own personality. Don't get me wrong, but what I'm saying is. At the end of the day, you know, who'd you sit back and say, man, you know, no, no, you know what I'm saying? No, listen, I I've, I don't watch myself. I, I'm not quite that narcissistic. That, no, 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 know, no. I'm not saying I watching mean, yourself. I'm just saying no, at the no, end let of me the finish. day, let, let me at, finish. The end, let me, at the end of your craft, who did you say, man? Well, not there, like there actually, going and watching yourself. No, but no, let me finish what I was going to say there. I, I haven't seen every episode of Migration Nation. You know, there are I, I've proofed most of them, but but every once in a while, because you do want to learn and you want to get better and you want to grow um, as a character or a personality, you know. So I every once in a while I'll take a critical look. And what's funny is the two people that I tried that I learned the most from, I guess, the two biggest influence. First, um, it was Bill Dance. Um, but then after Bill Dance, Tommy Sanders and Craig O'Neill, both from the Super Retriever series, and Tommy Sanders, of course, from the Bassmasters. And I can remember we were filming an SRS Crown Championship at Pepper's Pond outside of Little Rock in Mayflower, Arkansas, a few years back. And... Um, Greg O'Neill was doing the lead-in for it, and he did it in one take, and it was probably two minutes long. And, uh, man, it was good. You know, and I thought, wow. Boy, if I ever, you know, if if I ever really do get into TV, and then later on I had the, um, I'd worked a lot before that with Tommy Sanders, but I did the... Uh, voiceover for an SRS event alongside Tommy and I sat there you know in the sound studio just going man I mean this guy is so smooth and he thinks so fast on his feet and it's just natural and if I could ever get my delivery to be that way you know I'll be getting good at my craft and so those three people and what I started to say what led into this you know when I said I don't watch myself that much was that when I do, I can sometimes, you know, hear Bill Dance. I mean, in the beginning of Bill Dance Outdoors, I can remember as a kid, it was, you know, welcome to Bill Dance Outdoors. Hi, I'm Bill Dance. This week we're going to be, and and so even now when I do the intro to our podcast, you know, welcome yeah. to the Omnix. I mean, huh? <laughs> so, wow. you know, for me, that's it. What about you two guys? Because now you guys have become personalities in media just by being hosts on this show is there anybody y'all look at and go wow you know i i'd like to be like them uh mine was i mean i think mine would be i think mine would be will i I would say will primos and troy ruiz two good friends you know, being able to become friends with people that you grew up outside of my dad teaching me to hunt and 
uh, I watched those guys a lot as a kid, um, or watched Will a lot, the Truth Series, which Josh and I have talked about abundantly. But in able to hang out with him, you know, Will behind the scenes is a serious guy, and on camera, man, he just likes to have a good time. Like, And I've always said about you, Jay Paul, and hanging out with you, you know, the thing that I always liked about you is you were exactly who you are on camera, off camera. But you didn't have a multi-million dollar company to run, so I guess you didn't have to go into serious mode. But I, I'm the kind of guy that... <laughs> Would have been nice. I, I, what I'm saying is I think that you can be really successful. Number one, if you're enjoying what you're doing, and I love doing these podcasts, but I think that if you're not having a good time laughing, joking, talking about Kelly and Jesse... You know, it can get boring if you just sit here, blah, 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 blah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no doubt. So I would, you know, I, I've seen Will multiple times, been hunting with him multiple times, and um, this isn't bragging, but been with him, on, you know, shooting the the old, um, what was the waterfowling series called? Whistling Wings? Yeah, no, not with yeah. Mossy Oak. That's right, uh, um, the truth was there. The truth, but show. incoming, incoming. incoming. I filmed, that's yeah, I, I filmed incoming six and incoming seven with them, the last two series that they put out, and being with Will and Brad and Troy and all those guys, man, it was it inspired me. Look, to be successful in the outdoor business, that I found out you can't be serious and you can't be monotone. You got to laugh and you got to have a good time, and I think that that's what has paired all of us together, including Jake. You know, Jake coming in and doing episodes with us. We laugh, we joke, we cut up. The, the, look, the biggest compliment that I hear from people about the Only X podcast is when people are listening to us, they feel like they're at hunting camp. <laughs> and that's a great compliment. Man, that is an awesome compliment. You can't get any better than that. No, no doubt. No doubt. You know, when I was filming my show, uh, I always, the biggest compliment that I could ever get from a viewer was, man, I love watching it because I feel like I'm on the hunt with you. And that's the way I want people to feel. You know, I want them to feel like, hey, we're all sitting around in the living room at duck camp together, me and Josh and Rocky and Jake, and, you know, we're BSing and laughing and cutting up and while we're recording this stuff. And so, you know, that is pretty doggone cool. Well, I, look, I I'll tell you this, Jay Paul, and I know we got to get to the, the Delta Wildlife article, but I don't know if you know this, but I don't even know if Josh knows this, but one of the big clips that's going around the Internet for duck hunting right now, it was kind of started by Brad Albeck, but it's getting shared multiple times, about you, Jay Paul. I don't even know if you know this. No, I, I had no idea. That. I hadn't have seen, seen that either. Josh? I don't guess I have. I don't think multiple, I multiple, multiple, multiple people have shared this short clip where you got blood in your face from a, a duck or a goose that got too close to y'all. <laughs> yeah, it's on my YouTube channel. Well, somebody shared that clip, and man, it's gone crazy across the waterfowling world. Really? Yeah, it's been going around social media for the past two weeks. I figured you had seen it. No, no idea. No idea. Oh my gosh, I'm way behind the time. I'm going. I'm going to look now. You say you said Brad shared it. 
Brad shared it, and a bunch of other people shared it from his page. And it's what I'm talking about. If you watch that, even though it's a 30-second clip, man, I almost feel like I'm there with you. Thank you. Because that's always what I wanted to try to convey. But that's pretty doggone cool. So Josh is taking a look for this right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm looking on Brad's page, but I don't, I don't see the way Facebook arranges things nowadays. Well, you know, uh, while but you're anyway, taking, anyway, away from that, yeah. While you're taking a look for that, um, I know something else that we need to talk about, and that's about if you're looking for a hunting property, right, Josh? Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm glad you got my mind off Facebook because I don't feel like spending time there. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, yeah, uh, we do need to, to always make mention uh, of our good buddy Joseph Presley at, at Four Corners Properties. Um, you know, Joseph does uh, does a lot for us, but um, but man, what he does for for his customers and people looking for recreational land in the South is is phenomenal. Um, uh, he's always putting up new listings on their website, which is it's four CP land and homes. Isn't that right, Rocky? Make sure I get it right. I always get it. Uh, always mix yeah. it up. It's four CP land and homes dot com, and the the four is just the number four in that. Um, but I don't. It seems like every day uh, Joseph's putting up stuff, and uh, you know, contacting people, trying to help them find exactly what they're looking for. Um, which is uh, which is hard to find, but it, but it's good to see, you know, people who who care about their clients and their and their customer base. Um, for any more information, Joseph's number is six zero one five four zero seven two four zero. And uh, you know, again, if you're looking for anything in Mississippi, uh, Louisiana, Alabama, anywhere down the South, recreational property wise, give Joseph a call. And um, and I mean, even if, I mean, and, and seriously, I don't say it because cause we like him and know him, but if he can't help you, he he's going to find a way to to get you in contact with somebody who can. He's just, he's an exceptional guy. I've known him for a long time, and I think, think very, very highly of him. Amen. That's for sure. Joseph does know how to put you on the X, no doubt. All right, guys, so. Ho, 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 before, hey, right. Jesse, hold on. <laughs> Josh, Jesse or Kelly? Oh Kelly, oh, you're I, still I thought we that. talked about. Yeah, I thought we talked about. Yeah, Kelly. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna look up Jesse and Kelly. Right, to, I got to see what Jesse <laughs> Kelly and Lisa look like now. <laughs> Kelly still looks good. I don't know about you know, the other Je- one. Hey, do you know Jesse killed her career? She was probably the best actress in the whole show, but she killed herself when she did the movie. Um. Uh, right after Saved by the Bell ended, she did a movie that uh, she got nude in. Oh, <laughs> I don't you remember watched that. that one a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> I have definitely seen it on late night television. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. There, let's don't go back to the Cheetos joke. But anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm Googling Jesse from Saved by the Bell naked. Let's see what we get here. <laughs> you do that after the podcast. I got, oh, it, it just came up, Rocky LaFleur's favorite page. 
I'm I'm messing with you guys. Oh, my goodness. Wow. How in the heck? (laughs) Oh, my. Oh, Oh. showgirls. I am looking up Jesse from Saved by the Bell. There we go. Yeah, also. Hey, I, I never could. I I never could have a thing for Jesse. She had too far, and they expressed it highly in the Saved by the Bell episodes. Jesse was a left leaning Democrat, hugely on Saved by the Bell. You remember that, Josh? I I, I don't remember that in detail of it. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Ooh, man, they they. Uh, I don't remember. That. I mean, no, I don't remember that that much detail of it. Ooh. All right, on to Delta Wildlife. I mean, not Delta Wildlife, but Delta Waterfowl. <laughs> there you go. All right, so, you know, hey, and let me apologize. For those of you guys who tuned in today, listened to this podcast, who just had to endure all that because you really, really wanted to hear about this Delta article, uh, at least I hope you were entertained because it was like we're sitting around the fire. That's for dang sure. So, uh that doesn't you need to on... pour a drink right now, Jay Paul. Wait till this afternoon. Your doesn't mean to, <laughs> to pour a drink no, now. No. no, it's definitely not beer 30 yet. Okay, so Delta Waterfowl had in the spring issue, and it was actually the Culver story, a special report called Looming Crisis. Falling hunter numbers threaten the future of hunting and conservation. And um, did you guys, either one of you guys check that out? Or did you both check it out? Yeah, I, I did. I, I remember seeing it. It came out. And, of course, I get the magazine, too. Um, so I read it. I read it in print before it, uh, you know, also. And I wondered how long it would take before it, uh, before the explosion that took place you know, uh, came about, and it did. It didn't take long, especially once once uh, links started hitting social media uh, to the to the pages. I'll tell you, yeah. I, hey, I'll say this: Josh and I discussed it a little bit earlier, and I think that both of us have a very strong opinion that we both agree on, and that relates to why that is. So I'm going to let you go ahead, Jay Paul. No, no, no. Let's let's hear let's hear your opinion. I'd like to. Number one, I think that the declining number of waterfowlers in the United States can be related to a geographical area. And I think that that number is from about the southern tip of Illinois and north. I think that you're seeing less and less people in the northern part of the flyway not duck hunting anymore. You know, I would I would agree with that, um, and I, I I find it strange that no one has as and I don't know I didn't see it in the article. It's been a month since I read it, but um, I don't think that they gave any information on the they geographic, geographical yeah geographical area. I wish they would have. I wish they would have done federal duck stamp sold by state. You know what we need to do? We need to get Paul Waits on here. Paul Waits is the That's what I was going to say. Delta and, Waterfowl uh, Magazine. 
Well, that's right. And, and look, and he he's online defending it, and I'm actually I'm going I'm, I'm going to step aside for just a second. And I'm going to go look because I remember them. I do remember them talking about it in some comments about geographical regions. So I'm going to be quiet for a minute until I find it. Yeah, well, you know, our expert resident researcher, Josh, you take off on that. So while you take off on that, I'm going to address what you just said, Rocky. But first, I want to give an overview. So, you know, if you haven't checked it out, on Instagram, the uh, headline for that Delta Waterfowl put up was, the spring issue of Delta Waterfowl magazine examines a looming crisis, declining waterfowl hunter numbers. If you're a member, it's in the mail. If not, join. And then there were 69 replies or comments to that. And the very first one, uh, Delta Soybean King, there is a new decline in Arkansas. Next one, Mississippi Eater. Declining? Next one, declining? Question mark, interesting perspective. Here in North Carolina, that is definitely not the case. No way it's declining on on. National Wildlife Refuge as well. Actually, I don't know of any what National Wildlife Refuge is that you can hunt. That's why they're called them refuges. Hey, hey, but look, I think look, he means look, public look. hunting areas. Then the next look. guy, hang on. The next one. They are not declining. Check license sales in Wisconsin. So South Carolina. Sure wish they would decline here in South Carolina. So, I mean, you've got a pretty good. Then that's in the first 10 posts. You've got a pretty good distribution, well, you know. All right, all right. Well, let me say this. Let me say this because I'm trying to put all the blame on the northern part of the United States in the Mississippi and Central Flyway northern part. Let me add this to it. You think about the past, let's say, 50 years. Okay, that takes us back to 1970 or 67, right? And yep. at that point in 1970, there was there were 2.1 million waterfowlers. Is that right? I think it was late 70s that we broke 2 million. I know that uh, 62, and this was in the article also, I believe, or in one of his responses. Uh, yeah, I'm looking. We were yeah. right at a million. I'm, yeah, I, I, right. yeah, you're exactly All right. right. I just well, let me ask that. you this. Let me ask both of you this. I want you to think about something, because I have a lot of people that hunt with me from Maryland, Virginia, Delaware, and North Carolina that come on guided hunts with me. Think about how that that the Atlantic Flyway has changed in 50 years from what guys used to hunt and kill way back when to what it is now in the Atlantic Flyway. That's a large population center up and down the East Coast. Yeah, and I I think you're right. I think that there are areas where it's declined. Here we go. Uh, I found the numbers. 62, we're just below a million. By 70, that number had doubled. 2.03 million U.S. waterfowlers in 1970. And in 2015, dropped below a million. 998,600 waterfowlers. Steepest declines have occurred since 1997, despite some of the lengthiest seasons and most liberal bag limits in history. So um, I believe that you are, are right. I think that 
you uh, have definitely seen your decline in the Atlantic Flyway, and a lot of that goes back to loss of habitat, to you know loss, declining duck numbers in that flyway, um, and you know places just being built up has a whole heck of a lot to do with it. I think right, another let me, place. Let me ask you this also: How easy? Is it for somebody that wasn't taught by their father to get into waterfowling? Because the thing about it is it, it's pretty costly to get into duck hunting or goose hunting, you know, from buying decoy setups to no. well, learning, how, learning how to call. You know, for deer hunting. You know, I don't agree with that. that. I don't either. I don't either. <clears throat> Not a bit. Because... Um, uh, let me be as nice as possible. You can have everything you need cheap. You're just getting what you pay for. I think that's the easiest way I can say it. I mean, you can get, I mean, there's plenty of calls and decoys and camouflage and anything else all for very, very cheap prices. Now, I mean, I understand a 15-year-old kid may not be able to buy it, but but if you don't have anybody to teach you how to do all of that, look, well, deer hunting. Uh, well, okay, but that's that's the that's the other part of it is. Well, I don't I don't know an exact figure. I know what I think, but uh, a huge part of younger generations today don't care if anybody teaches them or not. They think they're just born with the knowledge to know everything. So they're the ones you have <laughs> running around out there trying to kill stuff. Um, Have you been hanging out with my three daughters? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, they know it all. Um, well, I mean, but that—that's that, the truth, and that—that that in itself, okay. Having that kind of mindset, and then on the opposite end, having people who actually know and could actually teach but don't have the patience to teach kids, whether they're their own kids or somebody else's kids or kids they don't know. Um, that's where the—that's where a major, major gap. In, in continuing hunting and any kind of outdoor legacy is is unbridged right now. You've got people who know what they're doing and have done it for a long time, but they don't have the patience to put up with somebody because the person who they would try to teach thinks they already know everything and they don't want to listen. So, you know, yeah, I, there's, I there's, your, there's your gap. I'll definitely agree with that. I, Rocky, I don't think it's as hard to get into duck hunting as this. Some things, I mean, you know, how hard is it to become a first-generation farmer? You know, that's almost impossible. But, you know, duck hunting, I mean, I know lots of guys that... Well, look, you know, compared to deer look, hunt, compared to deer hunt, all you got to have is camouflage and a piece of orange, and the deer are everywhere. They're hey, not going to get up and fly easier. away in the middle of the night. Deer it's definitely be easier there. to get in deer hunting, but deer hunting is not nearly as addictive. I mean, it's like I've always said, you know, you give a guy a duck and he'll eat for a day. For a day, you teach a guy to duck hunt and he'll be broke for the rest of his life because he's going to get addicted to it. Um, it's, uh, you know, think about how many people have come to your lodge, Rocky, over the years. You know, and and uh, Josh is a little younger than us, but I know this is true for him. It's certainly true for me. I've hunted with loads of people over the last decade that said, "Man, I just started duck hunting." You know, last year, or year before, and I'm where I'm just getting into it. You know, um, I want to buy a dog because I want to get into duck hunting. I've heard that a whole bunch. I, I think that the sport has the popularity to it, and you can still get into it. I, I want to. 
I want to go back to the, the fallout and, and really look at that again. And then let's, let's take a look at what's perception and what's reality. And I think you had a very valid point that, that we finally need to circle back to also, Rocky. But for starters, it's a fact that there are half as many hunters now as there were 30 years ago or, or in 1970 or, or 45 years ago. I'm sorry, God, it's been that long. Um, you know, that's a fact that in the last half century, we've lost half of our duck or half of our waterfowlers. Now, the big fallout came because so many people, that's not their perception. Well, that's and right. That's pretty all evident right. by all these posts. Well, perception is, is now social media because the cool thing to do is hunt and post pictures and videos of it. So it seems like everybody and their uncle and brother hunt and, and duck hunt, which, and it seems like they all do it on the public land of Arkansas. But, you know, seriously, I mean, that's just the way it, and that is the way it looks. I understand that. I mean, it, it, that's, that's the way it, it seems. Um, and if you go to, just for example, okay, people are talking about, no, there's people crawling all over Arkansas WMAs. Um, there, there, there's people, okay, well, that's, that's true. But today, if you're going to hunt it, you have to go to this boat ramp and put in or leave from there, whether you walk from there or get in a boat from there. Well, in the 70s and 80s, you didn't have to do that. If the water got out and you lived close enough to it, you just park and go. I mean, you didn't, you didn't worry about it. So, um, but I also think, and I was telling Rocky this earlier, earlier today, that a lot of people in the 70s and 80s, part of that, I mean, that, that's, that's a huge number, over 2 million, okay? A lot of those people, and I would like to know, I, it would take a lot of research, but uh, a lot of people were just like when we were talking uh to Bill Shepard the other day about it. And he said a lot of people used to hunt when? Well, when the water would get right. And they would only be hunting for, what, six, seven, eight days a season sometimes. But they had a license. So it's not necessarily representing somebody who's out there hunting 60 days out of the year on, on public land. They get their license and stamps. And if the water and the conditions are right, they went. And I think, that point. You, I think you don't see sure. that. I think you don't see that, especially in in guys up and down the Mississippi River, north of really kind of north of you, Jay Paul. I don't um, which water flow and everything has changed, but but I, I, I because because it really, I mean, those guys loved it. Yeah, sure, they they got their stamps and they went hunting. But as years went on, and you know, maybe you get two or three years in a row and they didn't have water, it wasn't a big deal to them to say, ah, I'm not going to get my stamp this year. It's, you know, it's not worth me, you know, only, you know, getting it to go a day or two. And so $100 decreased immediately because you had that mindset in a lot of people. And then, you know, now you've got what you got. Yeah, it seems like people are crawling all over WMAs, and I admit that it, it's probably crowded, but water level has a lot to do with that. I talk to guys that hunt those that hunt Arkansas public land. That's all they hunt, and they say in normal years, not talking about this last year, but in normal water years, 
uh, it's it's not bad. You you don't run into people that much, and when you do, there's plenty of places to go. But when you got a year like we just had, where there's no water, and and everybody is going, and and they gotta have they gotta hunt over water, uh, they're on top of each other. Um, I just think it's just a you see and you see it every day. I mean, what do you what do you always see during duck season? You see people complaining about seeing somebody else duck hunting. I don't. I don't think there's as many people that hunt on or really, really close to the Mississippi River as there used to be. Uh, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think there is. There's oh. not. I mean, that's you know, you talk to my granddad and all his, but that's the only way they hunted. Um, they hunted the river. And they hunted oxbows off the river, and they hunted, you know, tunica cutoff and places like that. I mean, that were directly affected by the by the river and the water. And those guys don't. Uh, I mean, they're still around. But they don't hunt, or they don't hunt near as much. So you don't you don't see that as much as you used to. I mean, I can think of dozens and dozens of guys that don't hunt anymore because and there's and you can ask them right now, and I guarantee you they'll tell you well the water don't get in there like it used to on the river, <laughs> or I'm too old to fool with the river, or you know, and it's just you don't you don't have people hunting the river like they used to. What's your take, Rocky? Uh, I think we're talking that, about uh, perspective here. Why, why is, we know it's a reality that we're down to below a million. Why you, do people argue do so you, vehemently and not believe it? Okay, I'm going to say one thing, too, because I am a, there's going because to be, I'm about to open up a can of worms between me and be Jay company, There's going to be companies that, there's going to be outdoor product companies that disagree with what, with what we're saying, too, because they're like, no, because we're, our bottom line is a lot bigger than it used to be. Okay, or there's there's been companies that have have come and been created and seen extremely big success solely off waterfowl market. But a jacket today costs about four times what it cost in the seventies too. So you don't have to have as many people buying a product when you when, when the prices are so high. So don't you know, that was something that, that, that we talked about at one time too. You know, why in the world uh why does six decoys today cost what a dozen did ten years ago? And nobody really yeah. knows the answer to that, you know. Um, but maybe it's because there's there's less hunters, but companies have got to they've, they've got to make that difference in their in their profit. But anyway, go ahead. All right. Your turn, Rocky. Did you hear that? Oh, the can of worms yeah. being opened. <laughs> Here we go. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna relay a message on this podcast that I hear people say every day. And I'm gonna back it up a little bit with a few facts. Think back to nineteen seventy. Let's go back to the highest point in duck hunting, two point one million hunters, close to it. Think back then, how many let's just take the Mississippi Flyway. How many refuges were up and down the Mississippi Flyway in nineteen seventy? Very few. Yeah, I knew hey. you were going there. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm fixing to open this can of worms, and it is gonna. Jay Paul is gonna go off on me. But how many conservation <laughs> groups? How many conservation groups? Hey, well, hold on, don't let him finish. I'm not sure why I'm gonna go off on him. <laughs> so let's let him get to the point because he might be wrong. All right, let's take let's take a couple of examples. Josh, we worked a little bit behind the scenes with the guy that was doing the flyovers in Mississippi Duck Couch, correct, this winter? Yes. Yep. We were was talking with them on the phone or, you know, 
discussing the duck numbers in Mississippi to provide a migration report for people here. What was one, what was one thing that was always left off those duck reports? Yep, you're right. It is. It's always you know. It, you know what I'm about to say. I know. I just have to be very careful. Uh, yes. The, yes, you're the right. The only duck exactly. numbers that showed in flyovers in Mississippi, Arkansas, or Louisiana, guess where those numbers are counted from? Private lands. They tell you what is sitting on private lands. They don't tell you what is what are sitting on rest areas of refuges. And I don't have a problem with refuges. Don't take that as that problem. Because I know there's a positive effect for it because those rest areas provide duck numbers for private lands and the refuges themselves. But when you take a refuge, and let's just say that there, there's 10,000 water acres on that refuge, and you can't hunt but 1,000 of those acres, that's a lot of area for ducks to sit and never be shot at. And because I know, I've seen it before, ducks, they know exactly where to go to. So but what does that have to do with the perception? It has a huge part so to do hunters. with it. People, people aren't killing ducks like they used to. There's there's but, private clubs that are killing ducks, huge private clubs. But there's, you go to public land, you sit on the line of the sanctuary, and you watch it fill up. But yeah, but you know why? The perception but you know why those that, that there are less hunters. I, I still don't see the correlation between because you're not killing ducks on public land. Why go fight that crowd and not kill anything? But I know that's no. All right, I, I follow you. You're saying our numbers are declining because of that. My question to you is though, why? I, and look, you and I and Josh, I think we're all three in agreement that that Delta waterfowl is not just blowing smoke. That number, the number of waterfowl has definitely declined over the last twenty years in the United States. What I'm asking you is, why is there why are there so many people that perceive it differently, disagree with it, and are screaming at Delta? No, you're lying. There are more hunters than ever. And I, I would argue. I would argue that. Um, really, I would just. I, I would really like to ask Paul, but I would immediately think my my immediate reaction to that is. I bet you 75 or 80% of people, if not more than that, that are saying there's no way, they're people that hunt only public land. And that's all they see is crowds. But again, that's the only place you can go put in. It may be 5,000 acres, but if there's one boat ramp, where does everybody have to be? So that's, yep. um, and, I, and I, I bet you, and, and I could be wrong, but I bet you that most of the people who are giving them a hard time and saying that the facts aren't right are people who hunt public land. And that's all they see is, you know, if if you got up every Saturday and saw a couple hundred people at the same boat ramp, then you would feel like, holy crap, everybody hunts. And that's, that's it's not the case. It's been proven it's not the case. No, but I, but in my fact of what I was stating, I wasn't saying that, I wasn't stating the case that, I was just saying I think that's one of the reasons that there are decline of numbers. No, I agree. You, you know, we were talking about I, I was asking one question, you were answering the opposite one. That's okay. All right, so I want to submit five things before we go here for consideration. I think that there 
I think that there are a number of reasons why the perception is different. And I think that there are a number of reasons why hunter numbers are declining. But but five big reasons right here that I can think of right off the top of my head about perception. Rocky, you hit the first one. I'm circling back to it now. Um, certain flyways and or certain areas of flyways, there have been huge drop-offs. Um, in certain areas of the upper Midwest and on the Atlantic Flyway, you just don't have the hunter numbers that you had at one time. And so that's, that's one reason. Number two, goose hunting, specifically Canada goose hunting. Um, the migrational patterns of geese and ducks, to some degree, have changed. I mean, I can remember in the heyday in the 70s, uh, all around White's Lake, uh, all around, I'm sorry, uh, Lake Isom National Wildlife Refuge, every farm had a big old goose pit with 1,000 to 3,000 decoys out every season because they got a big push every year of Canada geese, and they'd kill the heck out of them. And there are people that came and that hunted just for the Canada geese. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand this that aren't in the South, you know, particularly Arkansas, Louisiana, Tennessee, Mississippi, there are people that would prefer to kill a Canada goose over a mallard. I know that sounds crazy, but folks, it's true. And there are areas where goose hunting just doesn't exist like it did at one time, and so those goose hunters are gone. Those numbers are down. Um, now, you know, do the duck hunters see that? No, no, you know, not at all. Uh, other thing, you hit two of them, Josh. Number one. A lot of places that people hunted before, like the Big River, you just, you know, don't see guys hunting. I mean, I know a lot of guys that used to hunt the Mississippi River hard that, you know, don't do it anymore. And they've shifted to, um, a lot of those other guys have shifted to public lands. You know, and why? Because it's easy. So number three, you know, you got people that used to hunt hard. Nowadays, this generation, they want it easy. So it's just easy. They're trying to do, you know, whatever is easiest. The other reason I think that perception has changed is because a lot of younger guys uh, are hunting public ground. And this is kind of four and five together. Um, loss of habitat has pushed people more to public ground, number four. And then number five. It's just dang expensive to have a duck lease. A lot of people can't afford to hunt anywhere other than on public ground. So we see places like Big Lake over in Arkansas that are immensely popular where, you know, that viral video of the opening day boat race comes out. And if you take a look at that, then you would have to think that there are so many more hunters than there have ever been. Same thing at Bayou Mito, you know, Black River WMA with Dave Donaldson. Um, Matthews Break down there in Mississippi. Heck, if you go to the blind drawing today at Tigret WMA or Real Foot or Big Sandy here in Tennessee, there are more people attending those blind drawings for those public blinds than ever. You know, and that's because people are getting into duck hunting, but the ones that are getting into it, they want it to be easy. Okay? You know, so I think that for a variety of reasons, people are blind to the fact that duck hunter numbers are down. Um, 
but, you know, the statistics say they are, and I believe that. I would really like for our listeners to either go to our Facebook page, the On the X Podcast Facebook page, or to our Duck South forums, and I'd like to hear your take on it. I would like to know what our listening audience out there thinks about this is there really a looming crisis if so why are people blind to it uh if you disagree why do you disagree and what do you think the answer is and because we are really long today i'd like to circle back to that again in next monday's podcast i'm glad jay paul wasn't here for yesterday's podcast josh he'd have stroked out (laughs) how long was it hour and 37 minutes and oh so my, my goodness! Yeah, yeah, it was lengthy. It was good. Um. Well, I think. We yeah, I, I agree with the Did easy part. Yeah, you know, no, I agree with no, I'm part. I'm all on board with Josh on the easy part. Yeah, it, I agree with the easy part, and and yes, it's extremely. Uh, I won't say extremely. It is expensive to lease a place. On top of that, if you're leasing it and you are wanting or looking to lease it or have a place and be duck-minded about it, it takes work, and that's not what people want to do. Um, they, they've they heard the stories of you can go stand next to a tree in Arkansas and kill ducks, and that's all they want to go do. Um, and that's, well, hey, that's the way they think it happens. Let me throw this out there. On just one of my places where I have guided hunts um, last year, alone, I'm just trying to think, I had 40, I want to say 47 acres of corn on this one spot. It, it cost around eight or $9,000 between seed, fertilized, and herbicide cost. Think about that. That's a lot of money. That's not even counting. That's just, that's just the food cost for the ducks. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's. It's not cheap to do it. Um, no, it's not. It's not. And that's why people, you know, some people are, are being forced for that reason. We are, the sport itself is forcing them out because the only option that they have is to go to a public area and stand in the poor line or, or, or go to the blind drawing or get on the computer for those that are computerized and, and, and do it. And, you know, I think that's definitely a factor, but you know, if this were video right now, if this were a TV show, I'd like for the, the you know, to be continued uh, graphic dot, dot, dot to show up. Because before we continue this debate, I'd like to get a little feedback. And I'm going to go a little bit further. Uh, Rocky newsletter Thursday, tomorrow, correct? Yes. I'm going to provide you later on this evening with a short blog in that because I, I want our listeners to uh, check out this podcast, and then to give us some feedback. And uh, let's take it to our Facebook page. I'll give you something that we can that we can put up there, and uh, let's get them to, you know, give us their take, and maybe even try to get us a guest or two on here for Monday, and continue this debate then after we've got some feedback from some of our fans. How's that sound to you guys? Yeah, I'm all for that. Uh, I'd like to really hear what <laughs> more people have to say about it. I really would. Rocky, 
Rocky didn't say a word because he's like, no, 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 I want to continue right now. No. Yeah, I'm, uh, we can, no, we can swing, Adrian, we can, let's we can swing, the fight. we can swing back around to Kelly and Jesse on Monday. That'd be great. All right, buddy. Well, man, listening for everybody out there listening, I want to remind you that uh, this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Hardcore Brands and Hardcore Decoys, makers of some of the most innovative and most durable waterfowling products out there. We talked the other day about the new EVA decoys from Hardcore. They are the bomb. You've got to check them out and have them in your spread. It's not easy being hardcore. You can check them out at hardcore-brands.com. Okay, guys, well, you know, I think we've covered a lot of ground here today. And, uh, you know, I'm anxious to hear. I really do hope that we get a lot of good feedback. And so we don't continue beating this dead horse. Before we go, I've uh, I've got one question for you guys. So we talked about the three girls from Saved by the Bell. How about the three girls from France? Who's your pick? Dude, that's no question. Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, for sure. There's there's no other there's no other way around it. Hey now Courtney Cox is pretty hot too and, and, and the girl that played Phoebe, she's kinda You know uh, <laughs> in a I thought, way. well anyway, uh, I saw something funny about that the other day. Um but Jennifer Aniston has gotten better with time, brother. Amen. No doubt about it. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad I got you guys off of the other subject anyway. We'll get back to it on Monday. But, man, I really do. Got to close this out now. We've got to go. We're out of time, guys. And I want to thank everybody out there for taking the time to listen to this edition of the On The X podcast, Powered by DuckSouth.com.